Let me sit down. I'm the black man, black man, I'm sorry. I'm the black man, black man, I'm sorry. I'm the black man, black man, I'm sorry. I'm the black man, 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 black black man, 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 black Sev, actually, I am seven. You hear me? Indeed, indeed, bruh. Okay, so we are almost up to 2024, fam. <laughs> like, all of the goals we said we was going to do in 2023 didn't happen. But, you know, we're about to have a fresh start to try to do the same thing over again, right? You know what I'm saying? This is a fact. This is a fact. With a little, <laughs> bit of, little bit of difference to what it is that we're supposed to be doing. I ain't going to hold you because I had a weight goal. You hear me? And Did you look did you? You know, hey, 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 I think we fluctuated. See, it was, see, see, see the, the thing was, it wasn't a weight goal. It was a W-A-I-T weight goal. It was like, mm-hmm. wait, and then we're going to handle it. You know what I'm saying? You know, but it's okay because Flubber ain't got nothing on me. So when I Indeed. knock this off. Say less. Say less. Good. Hey, man, hey, I'm, I'm, finna, I'm finna get my, uh, you know, my revenge body going too, fam. I ain't going to stunt you, bro. I'm coming out there like you Arnold know. Schwarzenegger. I yeah. promise you. I- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, we here. You know, got dead dirty during the holiday, so you know, I'm about to, I'm about to get, I'm about to have a mean, mean comeback. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was actually born on Thanksgiving, so to like, really, yeah. And this is my first time actually getting to spend time with my family on Thanksgiving since like 2019. So like having that, I'm really watching like what we do. I'm like, ah, that ain't it. Now nah, we good. I'm gonna take that though, but it's. I don't know. This season has been a whole new meaning. You know what I'm saying? Getting ready to go into 2024. So, so just, we, when you say, like, things you're going to take from what you learned and experienced there, is just as you're looking towards starting your own family, mm-hmm. it's like, man, like, I love this about our family traditions, and I, lo- I do not like this about family Absolutely. Traditions. Like, I think one of the things that's, like, real interesting about, like, family uh, – Regardless of like what that looks like, you know what I'm saying? Because everybody defines family different. For mine, um, I've actually grown to like embrace a lot of the mess, you know what I'm saying? Like there's something about like owning it and embracing it. And I think in that, like I've been able to like appreciate the glitches while also realizing like, mm, that's actually something that like I want to fix specifically. And I was actually talking to a friend of mine and we was talking about uh, like different traditions and things of that nature because like, I'm not really the biggest, like, holiday person. Like, Thanksgiving, I don't call it Thanksgiving. I call it Family Day, for real. Because, like, I'm Native American. <laughs> I'm African. You know what I mean? African-American. But look on my dad's side. I did my African ancestry, 100%. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Bisa from Burkina Faso. So we- so, so everybody everybody be saying, like, every black person I know is like, yeah, I got, I got a little Cherokee in me. You know what I'm saying? So, like, like what is, like, you, you really Native American? Yeah, Cherokee, Seminole, Blackfoot. You, oh, you, you tripped it up? Okay, yeah, three different. I'm tripped up, That's especially up. on my mom's side. That's why, like, I got these red undertones, you know what I'm saying? And for Oklahoma, we say, you know what I'm saying, if you ain't from the South, you ain't from the red dirt. So I'm from the red dirt for Indeed, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know my grandmother was, I believe, either half or fourth. So I think that makes me like a 32nd or 16th. And my great-great-grandmother, full-blood Cherokee, um, on my mom's side, and then we have a couple other family members that we was trying to track, but we know 
uh, that we have Seminole and Blackfoot in our family and their travels. Indeed. Okay. So you like legit, legit. You know, we out here. Man, it's kind of crazy, bro. Like, as I was thinking about, like, family traditions, I realized how different <laughs> black holidays can be in different households. Mm, so, like, I went okay. to, I went to like, a, a game night last night. And the house that we went to had, like, the, a little a leg lamp in it. <laughs> you could see the leg lamp through the window. Now, when I saw that, I laughed because I'm like, yo, the leg lamp. And with a bunch of black people, they was like, what do you mean? I said, the leg lamp, Christmas story. They're like, what? And I was like, you never seen the Christmas story? It was like, no. Family tradition for me. Like, literally, Christmas story airs all day long. I forgot what channel yeah. it airs on. We would watch that joint. It, we would have it on TV the whole time. I'm, whenever it's the holidays, my mom like watching two things, the Ten Commandments, like the old school Ten Commandments, and then she like watching Christmas story. And so that's Hilarious. like, that's yeah. it. But when I found out, I was like one of the only black families that actually seen Christmas Story. I'm like, yo, what is going on? Like, y'all see Christmas Story? Christmas Story? You'll shoot your eye out. No. Time stuck on the. See, I would say. What are you talking about? What are you talking Home about? Home Alone, okay. Home Alone, class. Indeed, indeed. AC Christmas Home Story. Home Alone was so like crazy that. to me. But see, I watched. I watched. You ain't Christmas seen it either. Indeed. <laughs> I was like, dang. But I mean, like, as I don't, it was hard defining, like, white shows because, especially at the time where our grandparents grew up, that's all they had access to. Like, it really wasn't, like, black shows. And so whatever my grandma watched is what my mom watched, and what my, my mom watched is what I watched. Mm. It wasn't like, hey, let's look at this, this black producer in the 70s. <laughs> it was just like, what grandma right. like watching? <laughs> that's well, what we finna watch. I think it was interesting um, Cause see like I watch Christmas Story But like Certain folks said like Home Alone That was that joint uh, It was the one that had uh, uh, Sinbad And um, Honest Wars You know what I'm talking uh, uh, about uh, Something Hero it was like, uh, like Turbo Man or something like, Yeah that Turbo was the Man main. What was it uh, Not Hero Something Hero Is it Jingle All The Way Or something like that Jingle All The Way Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So okay. like we had Thanks. like Stuff like that So I think Those things were like More memorable The, the, the Christmas Story You know Sticking your tongue on a pole And uh, uh, getting stuck, yep. When he fought Buddy, yeah, that was mandatory. You know what I'm saying? Boom, boom, boom. And that's on my mama. Boom. Here we go. Boom. Yeah, it was, it was like that. Uh, but when you said leg lamp, initially, I had to think about it because I was like, I ain't going to hold you. I don't know what leg lamp is. And then when you said Christmas story, I was like, okay, yeah, I got yeah. you. I'm people with shit. Good stuff, man. Good stuff, good stuff. So, in the midst of the holidays. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. I know a lot of people uh, that I've been talking to, especially coming up this year. Man, I'll go back a couple years. So a couple years ago, I dropped a project called Happy Holidays with a question mark. Mm -hmm. And it was literally me making a hip-hop R&B Christmas album that just addressed where I was emotionally at the time. And I wrote, so it's crazy, I wrote the album in like 2019 Mm -hmm. while I was working at um Samaritan's purse. Like it was like this warehouse where they ship out gifts and stuff to kids. If you ever see a church, they got a bunch of boxes, like colorful boxes that they ship off and stuff like that to different places. I was working for them just shipping off boxes. And so I would like come up with the melodies, come up with the harmonies, all while working there. You know what I'm saying? And like mm-hmm. from there, like I I I dropped the album. 
Oh, I dropped the album the year after, but emotionally, bro, I was done. Like I, 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 I couldn't pretend. I couldn't act like I wanted to be enjoying yeah. the holidays. I didn't. I didn't act like I was gonna show up for people the way I used to. And um, the holiday cheer, whatever mm-hmm. that was, left me. You know, and I was just in a place where I was like, yo, like this is this is this is not it. And I think it, it definitely happened like after like my folks separated. Yeah. And it was a few years after that I'm realizing, oh wait, it's not gonna be a family thing anymore like it used to. Like, okay, it's gonna it's literally two separate Christmases, it's literally two separate Thanksgiving, two separate everything. Yeah. And I grew up completely different. And so now I'm thirty two having to deal with like a tradition that has now shifted and now I'm dealing with the emotion of that shift without even having like a way of processing it at the time because I didn't didn't know what therapy was like back then like really I heard about it and so I didn't I didn't take it so I was literally I didn't know how to process it so I was just upset I just dropped the project like that was an upset project you know still had some bangers on it you know what I'm saying like I heard it you still gonna cook you know what I'm saying Um, but like one of my singles is called The Grinch. Mm-hmm. It was it was a it's a it's a banger track, but like it was really about me. Like, yo, I feel like the Grinch ain't no cheer. Don't ask for no presents. I'm here. You know what I'm saying? Like me showing up, that's that's all you're gonna get. Cause yeah. right now it's not feeling That's really it, all it is. Yeah, man. So with tonight's topic, um, I kind of wanted to deal with the topic of forgiveness from the perspective of forgiving your father. And we were talking a little bit before we got on air. So <laughs> where are you at? Um, as much as you're able to disclose, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I know I know it's tough sometimes when we deal with topics like family, especially dealing with it publicly, because there's a level in which you want to secure the sanctity of the home. Mm-hmm. But also there's a level in which you might feel ashamed in exposing some things that happened to you um, but one thing I've learned, um, being a victim and being a villain, you don't get to dictate how others tell the story of how you've been abused, you know, or how that you've been affected by somebody hurting you. Um, you don't have that luxury to contain that power you had over somebody in the midst of them telling a story of how they were hurt. And so you just have to allow people to process the way they process if you were part of their process in abuse, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I've, I've realized, like, there's a lot of people that have just dealt with motherly and fatherly trauma and were never able to release, address, or even communicate it because, especially within black households, the old trope was whatever happens in this house stays in this house stays in this house so you don't get to tell the business you don't get to say what's going on you don't get to communicate if you've been hurt you know so what's that been like for you in this season sir well just to even like tag on that just a little bit i think what's interesting is that like subconsciously we're already like trained to fill the role of victim before we ever even have a chance to experience life Um, And so, like, what I mean by that is, like, when you talk about, like, trauma and how, like, trauma carries over, um, this happened to this person, this happened to this person, automatically by default, because a lot of people aren't necessarily working through their things, um, you're teaching me what a victim mentality or what victim life is. 
Um, so I'm already growing up with survival versus, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. growing up learning how to thrive. So I'm already identifying subconsciously with being a victim. So when it happens and I am victimized, it's that much worse. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't, I kind of know how to respond and then I still don't. Like some people, like I'm an introvert, you know what I'm saying, with extrovert tendencies. So like I'll recluse by nature. But then like when something happens that like violated, like me in a in a certain way, whatever abuse that is, it's like I'm that introverted that times ten. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like I'm already identifying with something. So it's very, very interesting. Um in this season though, I find it to be interesting that we're talking about this topic because I'm actually going through a whole bunch of just like thankfulness and gratefulness and certain stuff. So uh my parents they never married, right? So like had me straight out of high school. Um, I think like my mom's went to like Phoenix That's where I was born at And so like my pops didn't even know You know what I'm saying initially yeah. how stuff was going So I already grew up with like a separation Half of my family's Muslim Half of my family's Christian So it's like trying to make that mesh Right So I already grew up with a lot of different Beliefs, views And it was already like friction Um, And so like with my dad he like that's more of the church side like my dad was a pastor you know what i'm saying uh. so and initially it wasn't like that like as a kid but we like lived yeah. in the church bred the church you know what i'm saying um and then once i moved with my dad in 07 like and stayed with him until like i graduated high school that's when it was just like you have a lot of these like different christian principles or things that even sometimes that we as men create as like culture you know what i'm saying but it's not really like biblical and so like we're dealing with all of that and I think with me and my dad, we fell out real, real bad. Um, so I would say since 2013, it was like five years. Me and him never had, like, no conversation. Like, we didn't talk until probably 2018 once I graduated. And then after that, I've been watching God kind of, like, reconcile that relationship because it's been a lot of um, pieces and and you know, places that I've been where it's like my heart's been broken, spirit been broken. And it's like God has actually used my dad to actually like speak to those places while also me being able to like address, hey, I'm not going to lie. This is where you violated that. This mm. wasn't true. This was this. This was that. And him to actually like own it and take it, you know what I'm saying? And be like, you know what? I didn't understand that. I didn't see that. I thought I was doing whatever. But also at the same token, I understand where you at so I could speak to this. Yeah. And then me still have a receptive heart in that so I could still take the lesson and, like, blossom out of that, like, cocoon of hurt. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think it's tough a lot of times when, whether it be parents or just people in relationships, when you are expressing something that's happened to you, or an emotion that you're needing them to hear, or how they mm-hmm. hurt you, a lot of times, because what you're asking for is for them to empathize to the point of understanding, which could possibly lead to an apology or something that could resolve in healing, that comes off as an attack. And so, what they do is they'll start to communicate their trauma mm-hmm. and how. They've had more traumatic of experience and I would never do that to you or I would have handled it like this or man, you didn't have, you didn't have to, you don't, you don't know where I came from and I went through this and man, I've got to the point. I'm just like, Hey, look, I'm not trying to trauma compare. And honestly, like Mm -hmm. if we're, if we're doing this, you're going to win. I'm just like, you know how I feel. I'm just like, you know where I'm at. And I, I I use this example all the time is, is, is impact versus force. 
you know, if, if a child hits me with the same amount of force as he hits another child, mm. I'm not going to feel it, but the child will. Same amount of force, but the impact still, the, the impact is different. We got to focus, we got to stop focusing on the force and more so focus on the impact. We'll How see. are people affected by what just happened? Not mm. so much that what just happened is less of something that you went like, oh man, that ain't, that's, that's something I went through, that wouldn't affect me. He's like, right. come on, man, you, you, you tripping. That's not that big of a deal. We can't determine what's big or small to someone else if they're saying I'm hurt. Yeah. If somebody's hurt, they're hurt. And a lot of times what I'm realizing is uh, the older generation is asking us to take on their undealt with anger, overwhelmed hearts, and abused mindsets and saying, just deal with it like I did. And it's like, well, you never should have, you never should have dealt with it the way you did. Right. And now you're asking me to place the burden on myself to handle this like you handled it, but I'm not like you in that way. And by me doing so, you're actually asking me to join you in a place that you're not supposed to be right now. You're asking me to trauma bond in a, in a different way yeah. that I was never intended to. I think one of the things that's like very interesting. So um, I, work in, I work in higher ed, right? So I work at UT Austin. Um, and one of the things that we say a lot of time, we, we get real big on like verbiage. And so where you say like uh, impact versus force, a lot of things that we say, it's like, you know, intent versus impact. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, this wasn't my intention. My intention was this. It's like your intention don't really matter at a certain point of time, right? Uh, because this is what it. This is what I defined this as, and this is what, like, you met me with this, and this is what I received it as. Um, and so I think it's very interesting because that attack comes from, uh, it's like my child is bringing the, the issue to me. And so once we bring the issue to the parents, we're immediately met with their child. You know what I'm saying? So, like, we're their child, but we're meeting them as the child. That person that, like, never dealt with it. Like, now it's not that. So my mom, what, just turned 48? So my parents would be 48, right? Um, so I'm not meeting them at the 48-year-old self, mm. right? I'm meeting them at the place that didn't heal. So one of the things that said is like people stop growing at the place they experience their worst trauma. And so until that gets hit, there's a lot of different things that like people end up hitting. So it's just like, let's say something traumatic happened at 11. Like for me, I had a, I had a situation happen. You know what I'm saying? Like trigger warning, you know what I'm saying? For anybody that's in the building. Like I was molested at 11, right? If I never like worked through that, then like whenever somebody deals with me and tries to have a conversation, like, they'll meet the 11-year-old Sev mm. versus meeting me as the 29-year-old that I am now, right? Mm. So a lot of times when we're bringing things up to our parents, because they're not healed, it's the whatever age they were, 17-year-old, 18-year-old, like whatever, whatever. It's like we're meeting that version, and then we're having to counsel that version while also dealing with our stuff. Our stuff. <laughs> and so I think that's been something that has been interesting to me um, because – even my dynamic, like, with my father, right, like, that's been different. Like, my mother and my father are two totally different beings. I have to have these conversations with my mom, whereas my dad, he get it. So he's like, you know what, because he had to deal with it when it came to his father. So my granddad yeah. is no longer living. Like, I think my papa passed in 07. So, like, my dad has had to deal with a lot of stuff. So when I come to him now as a man, he like, well, shoot, I've been waiting to have a conversation. What's up? And... I realize where I'm blessed, and that's a privilege, 
of mine because like I had a fear that that was never the case. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like I could tell you how I'm feeling because growing up, I tell them how I'm feeling, and it's just like as the children, I don't know anybody else, but in black houses, like you can't have feelings. Like shut your mouth. Yeah. What you doing? What you talking about? But now, like though that was my experience, then now it's the complete opposite. So it was kind of like it was a shock. Like hold on. Like, are we really doing this? Let's talk about feelings. You know what I'm saying? Like, I could actually. Yeah. Okay, so then I felt like I had to like feed like a little bit. I'm gonna give you a little bit right here, mm. and then the more I got comfortable, then it's just like, listen, this is where I am. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Bro. I'm just like, hey, we got to put it down low on the table. Let's just deal with it. Um, man, it's interesting. So, uh, for me, bro, like we've had this conversation before on the podcast, but I have a very non-popular perspective mm -hmm. on biblical forgiveness. Um, I believe that scriptures teach us that forgiveness isn't always required. Um, I say it to say, I believe that the requirement for forgiveness requirement is when somebody repents. Mm -hmm. um, so Luke 17, three says, uh, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. So I think the requirement and the must for forgiveness mm. is when somebody else repents. Now, this doesn't mean you can't forgive minus someone else's repentance. I think that we've experienced forgiveness undeserving forgiveness mm. apart from our repentance plenty of times. And okay. I think coming to the place where we're able to say, man, even though you hurt me and even though you still haven't changed, I'm willing to forgive you. I think that is what having a heart like Christ does. But the issue is I feel like a lot of people are having a hard time forgiving their fathers, forgiving people that have hurt them. Is because the person that hurt them has not changed. Mm. Forgiveness, according to the scriptures, is grouped with repentance. Even how we experience salvation. In order to experience salvation, somebody has to repent. There has to be a change. And we're actually doubling up on the victim saying, forgive apart from their change. Mm. You be the one who bears the burden of what they did to you, for you, and at you, even mm. though they did nothing to them, like for themselves, for you. And I think that that plays into people having a hard time getting to the place where they're hearing the church communicate, forgive blanketly. And it's like, hey, we need to express forgiveness while also expressing justice, expressing that somebody who did you wrong, there's something that they do deserve. Right. You know, and I think the issue is, is people are emphasizing grace and mixing that up with mercy. So when somebody is has a like, let's let's say a public leader has a falling out or, or does a, a very, very heinous thing to their community, to somebody that happened in a congregation. The first thing they ask for is grace. That should not be the case. What they should be asking for is mercy, because what mercy allows you to see is something that you're deserving that you're not getting. Grace is not getting something you do deserve. Mercy is, I deserve this and I won't get that. So this actually puts you in the position of saying, hey, I know I deserve something from my action. Mm -hmm. 
and I'm asking for mercy. Right. But people aren't actually addressing the fact that they deserve something, justice, for the wrong you did to somebody else. And I'm asking you, pleading with you, that even though I did this and offended you, I know I deserve this, but could you be merciful on me? Instead, we ask for grace. It's like, hey, can I get something I don't deserve? Yeah. Rather than not getting something I do. Which is so interesting. I can see how we like definitely mix it to and convolute them. One of the things that's real interesting to me, though, is that like, I think a lot of times when we talk about forgiveness, we think forgiveness equates access. And so, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, oh, well, I forgive this person. I don't see anything. Does that automatically mean that they should have access to me now? You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. I forgave. Because we like to use those two uh, synonymously as well. And that's not the case. Like, hmm, pardon me. Uh, one of the things, like, because I can understand, like, the change has to be there. But then the other question of that is, like, what change? Or is it that, okay, this is what I expect the change to be? Because a lot of times, like, when we say, oh, I won't forgive unless I see change, there's a certain meter that we may have that we For don't ourselves. vocalize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then it's just like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm a judge. Like, let's say um, you have somebody that's like uh, 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 like a – Let's deal with alcoholism just a little bit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I have family that's, you know what I'm saying, um, alcoholics. And, like, sometimes, like, it could have been, like, I still get drunk. You know what I'm saying? But, and I did all these infractions. However, I had, I used to do 10 drinks. Now I'm at five. I'm still looking like, at the end of the day, I want you to stop drinking. Period. Because, like, when you drink, it messes with me. So, I may overlook the fact that they did do a slight change because the change that they did do, it wasn't what I wanted it to be. And so, therefore, because it's not what I wanted it to be, then I'm withholding. And at that point, you have to question the heart. Like, okay, so what is it that you were really wanting? You know what I'm saying? And then is it that all of this has to go away? Because in order to, like what? I'm 29, you 32. Right. So we have 29 years and 32 years of conditioning. Yeah. Right. So whenever an infraction is made, a lot of times we want that to be done. And then we recognize there's a process with it. I don't think that we really realize what we're signing up for when we ask, like, hey, this is what I want done. And like we don't, we might not have the wherewithal to see what that process really looks like. And like, what are the step by step implications? We just know it affects us. I may not, I don't, and it's not our job to go through, you know what I'm saying, somebody else's process, like, especially if you've been the one that's been harmed, because I think a lot of times we try to, like, burden it, or, you know, it's said that, hey, this is what was done to me, and then we make people feel as though they have to walk through that with somebody, and you don't have to, you know what I'm saying, it's not for you to walk through it with somebody else, however, I think the peace that comes when it comes to scripture, when it comes to our heart, is that whenever they do come, I think forgiveness, the, the peace is making sure our heart condition is still good. Yeah. And we're not like stone because it's just like, oh, you ain't do it when I want you to do it. How I want, I want you, you to do it. it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think we have to take the, 
the time and the in the in the work even in self to make sure that even when they do come, I don't resent you that it took this long, that I have a heart posture to be like, you know what, I'm willing to forgive you. Like you said, yeah. I'm willing. That willingness still takes a process to get to as well. And I, th- I, th- I think we make empathy, let's put each other in each other's shoes, mm. not I'm going to put myself in yours. And it's tough when you're asking people to forgive that aren't looking at the why and the how and just looking at the who. So you're looking at who the person is right now and you're looking at what they've done to you, but you're not looking at what happened to that person that got them to that point and why they are the way they are. Mm. And a lot of times when you find out a villain's origin story, it makes you more sympathetic because it's like, man, like, I don't know what I would have done if that happened to me at that age. And then now I'm just dealing with this person that drinks all day because they need to numb the pain of remembering. And man, it it gets to the point, bro. Like you start putting yourself in other people's shoes. It's like, I get it. Like, man, like I, I know where I'm at right now in my spiritual life and knowing that you don't have that, you never had the covering, you never had somebody disciple you, you never had somebody hold you accountable, you never had somebody put their arm over you and say, I love you in spite of you. Yeah, maybe I would be drinking all day. Maybe I'll be getting high all day. Maybe I still be in my bed at 12 a.m. and 12 p.m. In, in, in the middle of the day. Right. Not getting up, not showering. Because you're going through something that the average person isn't designed to go through, and you're, de- you're, you're dealing with it in whatever way you know how, and that's not dealing with it. You know, um, I think it brings me to um, Matthew six fourteen through 15. Uh, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And I think when we withhold forgiveness and are entitled to the grudge or the even the justice, you know, is the way you're forgiving other people the way you want God to forgive you? And I think that is the essence of what it means to be asking for forgiveness. Not the fact that they shouldn't repent for what they did. Not the fact they shouldn't be held accountable for what they did. Not the fact they shouldn't get justice for what they did. But in the midst of us seeking that, in the ways that you violated, minor or major, did God give you justice? Or did God give you mercy? Did God give you grace? And when you look at that and realize how much we got in our own closets, how much nonsense we actually deal with, it makes us more empathetic towards even the people who've done heinous things against us. Um, yeah, I got one more scripture I'm going to read. Come and on. this is so crazy to me, yo. <laughs> like, ah, oh, man. Woo! All right, yo, this, when I read this, it opened up my mind. Um, and I did a discipleship class, and I taught it to my class. And it was just a, it was an enlightening thing to understand this story from a different perspective. Um, this is uh, 1 Kings 3, and I'm starting at chapter, or verse 3. Solomon loved the Lord, walked in the statutes of David, his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. For what was their great high place Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar at Gibeon? The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, 
you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on this throne to this day. And now, O oh my Lord God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to come in or go out. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for a multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this, your great people. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, and God said to him, Because you've asked this, and not asked yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I know to do according to your word. I give you wise and discerning minds so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. A couple things we missed in this story. The purpose of him asking for wisdom was to be a just king and an upright king. But the standard in which he got that from was based foundationally as his father. Now let's set the scene. Solomon was supposed to have a little brother or older brother. That brother died because of his father's sin. That same father is the father who the town, the kingdom, Imagine all the things Solomon might have heard on the wayside. Man, yo, it's the one that killed, you know what I'm saying? Uriah. Oh, Uriah on the front line. Like, like he actually smashed old dudes, like his, his wife had him set up. Why is he on the throne right now? There's no reason that dude should be right where he's at. And honestly, they're right. The penalty for adultery? Murder. The, uh, getting killed, the penetry for murder, getting killed. Every single thing you could do wrong, just within that one act, he hit a bunch of them. Unpardonable sins, things that got you the death penalty. And the only reason he couldn't get touched is because Nathan heard from God and said, God is now merciful on you. Something you deserve, you're not going to be getting. That is what it is. But then his son got touched. Imagine what it was like knowing that if this was modern day, there'd be a podcast, there'd be a show called Surviving David. There'd be people that were hurt so much by what David did that all they'd want to do is talk about the negative, the nonsense, and how he hurt an entire kingdom. And in the midst of that, the way his son talks about him, <laughs> he said, you've... You have blessed my father. You've made him walk in righteousness. You, like, upright, a heart after God. This is, like, so countercultural to now. Because what we would be focusing on is why we should keep him canceled or why we should cancel him. Thanks. Yet, this is also a testament to the fact that even if you have a jacked up story, that don't mean you have to have a jacked up legacy. Solomon got to now set the pace and readjust, retell the story from his side, and it's from a side of grace 
understanding and empathy and forgiveness. That's so wild to me because he knows the responsibilities have to uphold. And that is being the person that replaces such an amazing kingdom. Which also goes to show us that in the midst of everything David was going through, he knew that he had an opportunity to teach uprightness, teach faithfulness, teach grace, teach forgiveness to his son. See, I think that that comes over from like Proverbs uh, 22 and 6, train mm-hmm. up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart, not depart from it. Uh, it's funny because that scripture was like, Drilled into my head, like y'all used to have. Like, did you guys write sentences? Like, yeah. that was a punishment, yo. Like, oh, yeah. write, oh, wait, wait. you have to write the proverbs too. What? Oh yeah, yeah. Let me get five hundred. Yeah, let me write, write write proverbs one over and over. I ain't gonna hold proverbs you. two over and over. Oh, that was that was that was our. That it was, was our it was it was painful, but I think that that like trained something in me. So that's why I think that like Solomon was able to have that other perspective. You know what I'm saying? Because he sat right under. You know what I mean? And then even in that, like. You can't run from, because it kind of like, if we think about it, right, like David would be like the celeb, you know, in today's age. You can't run from what is done. That's why like a lot of times when people, they want these like leadership positions there. That's why they say like heavy is the head that wears the crown. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like at this point you are on display. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing that you can hide. Like, Hey, Tupac said it, all eyes on me, literally. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that Solomon had to be able to, like, take in all the good and the bad. But I think also one of the things that's interesting, because since we're talking about forgiveness too, right, because there's things that carry down the lineage that, like, Solomon had to deal with, yeah. you know what I'm saying, even Man. from his father. Yeah. The reason why he had multiple wives. The reason why all these different things that, like, came into play, because it, it still trickled down. And, like, he had to, like, rewrite that even in like his story right um because the the sins of the father carries for generations i think one of the things that's interesting quoting proverbs 22 and 6 we say train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it but the other the the adverse effect of that though is like in the way he should go but a lot of us is trained up in a way that we don't know this is where we're supposed to go and so we're go you know (laughs) We're trained to go a certain way. So if all we know is trauma, I'm trained in trauma, that's the way that I go. You know what I'm saying? Until it's presented that there is a different option, which is why we need the Father to see mercy, to see grace, and which is also why we need to be able to see humanity because that's what, that's what forgiveness does. It shows you a person's humanity where we want to be like, I think that they should be like this. Da, 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 da. They should get the book. They should get this. And they should. Yeah. The Father allows us to see, you know what I'm saying, their humanness and their brokenness because it's a mirror at the end of the day because we get to see ours. And then he, in turn, deals with that inner, you know what I'm saying, because and we have to be, like, reconditioned. That's why, like, when you start going to, like, therapy, like, I'm in therapy, you know what I mean? Like, it's a reconditioning that I have to do. Why? Because there's a lot of things that, like, I was trained to go this way. My mind be like, I ain't going to hold you. You talking a little crazy? I'm about to get out of my body for real. <laughs> and, like, like for me, like, it, you know, it's, it's like that. Like, like, my fight or flight senses are nowhere near flight. Like, fight. what them hands talking about for real? Like, we can go ahead and get this for real. 
But like that's one way I was trained. He saved me. Hallelujah. You laying hands for all the wrong reasons. (laughs) But like that's a way that I was trained to go at a point in time. And God has had to like redefine it. Like, actually, no. That's that's not righteous. Like, that's not and you're not in right standing with me. This is the optimal way. You know what I'm saying? This is my way. So I'm like having to be reconditioned and see, like, ah, because there's certain things that my father did that I was like. Yo, you's actually out of pocket for that. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, the amount of times I got in trouble for stuff I didn't do, but then, like, you know, parents would be like, you my kid, I know you. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. You I, but I, I, think it, I think it's dope to hear, you know, even at this point, um, you're telling me that, like, man, like, I'm actually able to have these conversations with him now, and he acknowledges it. That's a, that's, that's a, that's a blessing, you know what I'm saying? To whatever extent he does, like, man, that's a blessing, bro. Like, a lot of people don't get that opportunity. But... Now we can do this. Don't be fooled. I'm nothing special. Now it comes to the time of the smoke session where the live studio audience has the opportunity to come forth with the questions, comments, concerns, or the smoke. You best believe we do keep a gas mask, so Absolutely. beware. You feel me? So if anybody from the live studio audience wants to join in on this conversation about forgiving your fathers, you know what I'm saying, what forgiveness means or anything like that, or just want to share with us. Please come to the mic, or if you got some smoke, let me know what's up. You know what I'm saying? We keep it. Stay ready. You feel me? You turn the mic up. It seems like everybody would have. Come on, Angel. It seems like. Say, hey, we all right, fam, come on up, bro. Come, come bless the yeah. mic, fam. Look, the exhale was Tony, real. Tony, let me know if uh, he looked he look right on the, on, the, on, the, on the joint. Man, I got to have my homie looking right up here. Yo, my Tony, guy, Tony, my Tony, guy Tony. had the exhale. Let me know if he looked right on the, uh, on the camera, the angle. That brother said. <sighs> What's poppin', pimp? Good, sir. <laughs> hey, you hear me? How you feeling, family? I'm happy. Indeed. Come on. Yes, sir. I guess I just wanted to comment. Um, <clears throat> so, growing up, I always saw my dad as this, like, uh, the godfather. Mm. In, in, yeah. In, you know, instead of God the father. Yeah. So, he was, like, super controlling. You know, and he was, growing up, he was very abusive verbally, physically. So, there's lots of anger I had towards my father, right? And um, he was uh, like an associate pastor about to plant a church and then found out that he cheated on my mom. So there's just lots of unforgiveness that I had towards him. Um, So I had to deal with that when I was younger. But for some reason, like my mom taught me so much about forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would always go to my dad and um, I was just trying to share my heart. Kind of like what you guys were talking earlier where. And y'all's um, culture is like, you don't talk about feelings. You know, it's super, this macho mentality. And it was the same way, but to a point where I remember I would even talk to my dad and just tell him, Dad, I love you. And that would even make him feel uncomfortable. Hmm. Like, I'll talk to him on the phone, like, Dad, I love you. And he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, me too. You know? Yeah. And then I'll talk to him again, Dad, I love you. And then finally, I remember one time he was just like, took a big breath, and he's like, you know, I love you too. Mm. You know, and that was such a big step. But now, because <clears throat> we've, yeah, so there's just so much um, that we've gone through together. But the biggest thing to me, what I came to realize, that he was all about control, and that robbed intimacy with me. Mm. 
So, and that's what I got, I had, I shared with them, what, like two years ago. I'm like, Dad, you're, you know, you're great. Everything was good. I mean, you weren't great. You're, you know, um, to me, you seem like a coward. Like, you taught me the wrong ways of being a man. Mm. And to be honest, I just needed a father. And I wasn't, I didn't feel like I could be able to talk to you. You know, so it was just that intimacy that I, that was missed. Yeah. And when I finally, when, so he just heard me out and that broke him. And then that's when he slowly started revealing about what you're saying. He didn't grow up with the father. Mm. You know, he had to start work, uh, start working at 13. You know, all these things and, and now seeing his perspective. I remember Lauren Hill, she would always say like, um, I want to pray to understand, not be understood. Yeah. You know, so that's what I, I went with my, with my dad, that's how, I would always think it. When I remember listening to the interview, like, okay, let me try to understand my dad instead of trying to get my perspective. And now me and my dad's relationship is amazing. That's good. Like, bro. it's honestly, it's, it's the best. Yeah. And I get um, prideful to just even brag about it because I know how bad it was back then. Yeah. yeah. To where it is now. That's good, bro. You know? And Come it's crazy because so what I experienced growing up in a controlling household as well was later on in my life, I realized that the relationship I had with my earthly father is how I view my relationship with my heavenly father. And so if you ask me if I honor God, it's like, yeah, I honor God, because he's God. That's what you're supposed to do. That's his position. And that's what I was taught in the household. And that robbed me the opportunity of actually getting to know God from a friendly, loving level and getting that intimacy of not just ruler, an authority, a friend. Hmm. I like. I've recently started to rediscover what it's like to have God as a friend, and have that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I would, I would always be like envious of people that would be like worshiping, and they'd be crying, and actually have emotion towards God. I'm like, you know what I'm saying? I'm, 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 it made me a real logical person. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not a person that's crying. I'm looking around for tissues so I can pass out. It's like, okay, you got this many people crying. We need to, Same. you know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm operating like that because I never got to feel God's love. Yeah. But it wasn't until a year and a half ago, I, I cried during worship. And I was like, what is this? Hmm. And I'm like, bro, I, that, that warm feeling that people talked about, I felt it. And it was in a moment where one of my youth, I was a youth pastor at the time, went up to the stage, because the pastor just called him up randomly. He, wasn't, wasn't on it. he didn't do the first service, he called him up. And he was like, man, God's telling me I need to tell you that you're doing a great job. And well, he's so proud of you. And I just want you to know, I love you. And for some reason, when I saw that, the pastor talking to that kid, God was a villain, that's him talking to me. And the moment I heard I love you, bro, I just start breaking down. Yeah. And I ain't never cried. And I ain't cried in church. Mm. I was like, yo, what? I was like, I'm not broken. <laughs> yes. I thought I was broken. Yo, I no, broken, but you know man. what? That's real because there was a point in time where I felt like I couldn't cry. Bro. So like, and I was like, God, like, am I tripping? Bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, is something wrong with me? You know yeah. what I mean? And then it was just like, actually... Yes, there's some things that we got to fix, yeah, but yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Holistically, no. Yeah. Um, what's wild is like my dad, right? There was one time we was having a conversation. He told me, he was like, well, you'll never understand nothing but God. And I was like, hey, yo, you got me messed up. Why? I felt so offended because I feel like you're trying to downplay on my intellect. 
because like growing up i never really knew what my dad like experienced you know what i'm saying like i knew my mom and my dad had me at like 18 19 you know what i'm saying like my mom's used to stay with my pops because of you know what was going on in her life so it's just like yeah y'all was y'all was doing what y'all do i'm here but like and I knew also, like, I got a lot of residual anger from my mom towards my dad. You just like your daddy. You this, you this, you that. To a point, even I had to ask her, like, what you like about him? And it checked her. Because she was like, well, you know, he was. I'm like, yeah, you trife. That part. Like, stop playing. But then, like, <laughs> when I had a conversation with my dad, once he said that, like, there was a time when God brought it back around. And he was like, honestly, like, this is what I was meaning. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, it was really God that was keeping me. As much as offended as I was, um, whenever I was able to, like, come back and have a conversation, it was just like, actually, this is what I went through. He felt like he couldn't even give me everything that, like, he experienced because he probably felt like I was going to take it on. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, yeah. me, I have a tendency to, like, take on everybody's stuff and, like, help. So, like, I'm carrying my bag. But if you really struggling, I'll put my bag down to help you with your bag. And then once I get you where you go, I got to go back and get my bag. Ain't nobody here to help me. Like, so I think my dad saw that and was just like, if I give you my burden, like, or tell you what it was, not I'm giving it to you. If I tell you what it was, you'll take it on as if it's yours. And then you will still miss you at the end of the day. And then you're going to not even depend on God. You know what I'm saying? And it was just like, huh because like that intimacy like i felt like i was robbed too like hey yo like i told my dad like hey yo this happened to me when i was 11 would you still like love me and accept me and he was just like you don't need to worry about me accepting you you need to worry about god and i was like yo who is this nigga? like like why you dismiss me like that like i'm talking to you my earthly father not my heavenly like you because at the end of the day i see god like well is god going to you know what i'm saying yeah and so if like you bypass me it's like what am i to do and to hear later on it's just like really i was just trying to instill that you don't depend on nobody else but god because that's where your affirmation comes from because that's what he had to learn because he was like i had to cut a covenant off of you you know what i'm saying so it's just like very very interesting and, and it's, it's something just recognizing that we do desire affirmation from our earthly parents facts like we like we crave it you know what i'm saying I think especially as a man yeah facts especially as men we're seen as men we're seen as like these blocks i tell people all the time like man we're like wet concrete another man can say and after a man say something so much it can harden. It's different when a woman say it because it's like instant. It's like instant solidification, right? But like we crave that affirmation because it's just like we don't know what we don't know. You know what I'm saying? So like what's seen as you're not emotional, you're not in tune, you're not this. Really, we was taught a boundary. We was taught not to let you play with me, but we was taught it in an extreme manner. So then because we was taught that in an extreme manner, we don't know what the other feelings or emotions are how to even regulate that so it's just like i need that affirmation because if i don't get it you know what i'm saying i'll seek it from somewhere else which is even more detrimental yeah which is dope by you know what i'm saying it's it's i mean that's so it's a blessing to hear you and your pops on a good standing bro that's that's fire yes sir that's fire I'm proud of you black man appreciate you pimp who else even though you're not black man you know what I'm saying? i had to play that joke you know I mean? yeah come on 
What's your make America great again? What is that? How you doing, boss? What's going on, gentlemen? How y'all doing? Maga. Chilling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna stir the pot real quick. We're gonna get a little bit controversial. Uh, oh, we would expect nothing else. So um, I got correction in the sense earlier about y'all talking about forgiveness. Because what came to my mind in the Bible when it says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, you know, as Christians, as disciples of Christ, we aren't entitled in the way that we, you know, forgive others. And I bring this in a scenario in the sense where I've held so much resentment uh, towards my mom for so many years. Like I talked about the last time I was here and I forgave her for lying about my pops for so many years. And, you know, she took it to heart, you know, praise God, you know. We went about a couple months for talking. Eventually, you know, I saw her on Thanksgiving. Praise God for that. Amen. But, uh, you know, like I said last time I was here, the forgiveness is not for them. It's for you. That's good. You know, in the Bible, it talks about, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but I know somewhere Jesus talks about it says, uh, basically, you forgive 70 times 7. And so, you know, our forgiveness is unlimited. That doesn't mean you allow people to abuse, but at the same time, as Christians, we're called to hearken onto the Holy Spirit. Because let's just keep it real. People in the world, they don't really understand real forgiveness. They're still living in the flesh. They're blinded by the devil. They don't understand the ways of God. So their pride is going to keep them from uh, forgiveness. And so that's kind of my correction on that. I don't know if y'all had anything that y'all want to rebuttal on when it comes to that. Correction? Uh, I'm right. Did you correct anything we said? Uh, yeah, you, I don't you think correct? that was really a correction. Yeah, what'd you say? What'd uh, you- you corrected something we said. Uh, I, I was just saying, I just because I was like the Holy Spirit convict convicts, you know. Yeah. And you like you talked about like in Scripture you're talking about when we should forgive, and you know I'm like as far as being a disciple of Christ, we don't have a certain limit to our forgiveness. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, yeah. there's no limit. Yeah. So I w- I was saying the only actual requirement absolutely would be like you know what I'm saying leaning on the Spirit when the Spirit tells you to, but like I think the the natural requirement is when somebody repents. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I think that uh, as, as we view, like I said, um, for those that just walked in, Luke 17, 3, pay attention. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive them. Mm. Um, it's almost like somebody saying, hey, I know I stole your bike, but forgive me. It's like, well, give me my bike back. And then we can talk about that. Or you feel it's, me? it's like, I know I stole your bike. I'm going to keep your bike. But forgive me. But you need to automatically forgive me. Yeah, that's, that's not cool. There has to be repentance. And when it talks about if he repents, forgive him, it's showing that, hey, not only am I acknowledging I did something wrong, but I'm making it right. There's a reparation. There's a repairing. There's a and repairing. so reparations come, comes with forgiveness. Yeah. Like it's, it's I know I did something wrong and I'm doing what on my end what it costs to make it right for you. Mm-hmm. Make you whole, and people are not having the grace enough and being told they should forgive when they're not even whole yet. Now, this isn't to say you can't forgive not being whole, but I'm just saying that the only requirement that we're told to forgive is when we're made whole. It's like, yo, like, yeah, if if somebody made you whole and you're still being bitter, you're off. You're wrong at that point. It's like, yo, they're doing what they can on their end. And I think we have to acknowledge the fact that, like, yo, if somebody actually is doing what they can to make things right and repenting, this isn't saying, all right, let them back in your life. It's like, no, forgive them. Don't hold nothing to them again. Don't, don't feel like you got to get your get back. It's like, no, they made, they made it right, yo. Let it go. 
and that's and that's with that scenario right because i think it's like twofold right i i believe that you know what i'm saying because if i am trying to make it right and you don't give me the opportunity like you're gonna hold it that's like when people they write their wrong and it's like dang you're gonna keep holding over my head like what am i supposed to do with that you know what i'm saying like at that point the issue is with self right that's the issue and you're opening yourself up to experience that with god exactly if if you will be made whole and still have bitterness in your heart to not forgive somebody. Are you saying you're all to wanting God to address you and handle you that way? It's like, man, God, I'm, 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 I'm definitely living by what you're telling me. And the guy's like, but are you forgiving in your heart to a, your, your brother? Did you make things right with your brother? The fact that he says, hey, don't even give a tithe. Don't even make an offering if you've not handled your brother first. You're trying to do the vertical and you're not handling horizontal. Mm-hmm. Come to me when you also loving your, they'll know us by our love and we are loving each other by making sure we're made whole, making what is right out of what is wrong. And so that's what I mean when I say that, but absolutely, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fully with you when the, when the spirit convicts, you gotta operate. Gotcha, uh, I guess my second thing is, uh, what is it, um, uh, and I will say, preface this before I you know, make the statement, I've been part of the problem. I hold myself accountable to that. And so my statement with uh, going along with, with that is that, you know, I definitely think, I don't think it's just been since the pandemic. I think it's been for a while, you know, that as far as the genders have been, you know, uh, how do I say it, transitioned in the sense of like replaced. Uh, y'all might disagree, y'all might agree, it is what it is, but I think Women have become more masculine in our culture, and men have started to become more feminine. You know, I don't think that men are operating in their logic as much anymore. You know, men get too easily triggered. Same thing with women, but understandably, with women understand it because women are the more vulnerable creatures. Um, and I think a lot of that has to come specifically when we talk about the black community. It's because of the degenerate behavior that's been plagued on us for so many years. You know, I think we live in, a, especially in American culture, we've, you know, lived more in a Marxist society amongst blacks than it is a godly society, you know, where, you know, go and spread your seed, you know, the woman's called to go have her whole phase, you know, the man, you know, think with your penis, you know, I've been, I'm not going to sit here, I like, you know, I'm a virgin, you know, I've been out there in the streets, you know what I'm saying, but, you know, I done broke God's law, God forgive me for it, but, you know. I'm doing my righteous thing now as living a godly man and, you know, not living that degenerate life anymore. And so I think there needs to be a more of, you know, getting back to traditional roles in a sense of how a woman is supposed to be and how a man is supposed to be. You know, the man being more logically, you know, less emotional and, you know, Mm. uh, the woman being nurturing. You know, we need to stop like plaguing this whole strong independent women and, you know, men need to go out in the streets. I think that. Matter of fact, like the little dirks and all stuff in the world, I think that's fatherless behavior as far as like, it's a cool thing to be the street street cat, you know. That's a misconception. And uh, the last thing I have is, you know. Another one. It's the last thing. Okay. Uh, you know, when we talk about family as Christians, who really is our family? You know, at the end of the day. The body? The body of Christ is your real family because when you come into the light, those who are quote unquote in your natural family, they're going to start to fall off, you know, because light and darkness cannot mix. And I had the scriptures I was looking up as y'all were talking earlier. I kind of wanted to read it. It's coming out of Matthew 10. 
and it starts like this in verse 34. Jesus said, think not that I have come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Verse 35, for I have come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and men's foes shall be, they lay on his own household. Verse 37, he that loveth his father more, father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Verse 38, and he that taketh up not his cross and followeth not to me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose his life. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. And so, you know, it's a dude, I don't know if y'all know about him, he's a younger cat, uh, black evangelist. He's been popular on there for our Prophet Jay. You know, I remember he had a story about how his parents kicked him out of the house because he was preaching Jesus. And, you know, so when you have the sword of the spirit, people are going to come against you. You know, if they're living devilish, if they're living like Satan, you know, you're going to be separated. And so at the end of the day, the ultimate real family, you know, is the body of Christ, you know, because I know I've heard so many times growing up with my mom, you know, twisting scripture, honor thy mother and thy father. Yes. But at the same time, if you're living unrighteously, I don't have to adhere to everything that you're saying, you know, especially if it's not coming with godly wisdom. But that's all I got to say. Indeed. That's appreciate All you got to say. That was a lot, sir. Listen, you went in. Indeed. I think for the sake. Look at Quincy because, Jones. Quincy Jones ain't going to help you. That part. <laughs> I think one of the things that's interesting, because um, it was said, I'm going to address it. Uh, this whole, like, oppression Olympics that we be doing in our society is unacceptable, Right. We didn't come here to be like, oh, women should do this, men should do this. We all got our own stuff that we need to deal with. That's just the bottom line. Tradition, I don't really think tradition is the best. We are all creating new things. I think keeping the father center is what needs to be the case. Because if we're talking about father forgiveness, the same way that we're talking about is like black men, how we have had to navigate that. You know what I'm saying? Our sisters have had to navigate it too. You know what I mean? So we have a lot of wounds. In our world, we do see a lot of divisiveness. It's definitely a whole lot of stuff that is leading folks astray from the Father, but do they even know who he is? Because he, he has not had great representation. Like, if we want to talk about believers, believers as a body, as a whole, collectively, in this Western side, we have not been, you know what I'm saying, a good representation. Hey, this is what this looks like. We talk about love. Love nowadays is very watered down as an excuse for somebody to tell, for someone to tell someone else what they want them to do and dictate what they want them to do versus like we're working together. You know what I'm saying? Um, so and like, I, I, th I think that also plays into like a little bit of the scripture you addressed. I think that scripture, obviously, you want to love your family, but it also, in essence, I think it addresses that. Christ is not looking to terminate your culture, but in the midst of your culture, your Christianity trumps it. And I think that also includes tradition. Um, Facts. I remember a woman who mentored me um, and is very, very loving towards me. Um, I remember I was like, man, like, like, I would like to have a woman nice like you one day, right? And as I started to really think about that, Knowing the type of relationship she was in 
during the time where I was admiring the woman she was and who she was for that person, once I began to realize that the person that I liked and the person that I admired and the person that I was seeking was somebody that had to become something in order to survive. So I actually hmm. was seeking out a survivalist and saying, that's what I want. Hmm. Not realizing I haven't even got to meet, meet that person apart from the abuse, apart from the trauma, apart from the, the relationship they had prior. And that just speaks to a lot of what our generation prior dealt with. That aspect of that tradition that we keep saying we want to seek Imagine right. all that tradition, including with the trauma. So are we asking for the tradition apart from the trauma? Because how much of that was this them operating in a survivalist mindset? You know what I'm saying? Like, have we fallen in love with something that hasn't actually been dissected to the point? It's like, all right, how much of this, although it looks good on statistics, although it looks good on paper, how much of that was God? How much of that was Godly, how much of that was righteous, mm -hmm. right? And and when we deal with that, I, I do believe that there's aspects of tradition I'm, I'm all for, but tradition and traditional wear, like is it traditional just in the West? Is it traditional just in the in Asia? Is it traditional just in Africa? Because if you look at tradition in that aspect, I think you're gonna find it means something different to every single culture. So when we deal with things, I think it's, it's, not, it's not wrong to seek tradition. I think it's not wrong to seek that, but even in, in the topic of forgiving your fathers, like like understanding that because our father's generation is a generation that we're talking about was that traditional generation, but yet we're having to deal with the topic like forgiving our fathers because of the nonsense from that generation. To even to even take it a step further, right? Let's not let's take it off of I'm gonna take it off of my father. Like I'm gonna look at my great grandfather. My great grandfather passed last year, right? But when I look at and, and I was blessed to like grow up around it. But when I look at like the men, my uncles, my granddad, and the things that they do, that's completely unacceptable. But because like you talked about tradition, my grandfather, he worked. They, they built, you know what I'm saying? Like all the houses, all the stuff. So construction runs deep. Very like when I get home, my food better be made. What's going on? Like that's, that was the tradition, right? So much so that my great-grandmother, like, she was silenced in who she was. And part of that was because of her upbringing, but then what he did enabled it even more. And then created the environment to, like, not buck against it. And then they raised their children in that, too. So much so that if you was an outsider looking at it, it's just like, oh, y'all don't, you don't, you don't like your people. You know what I'm saying? Looks good, yeah. but on the inside, it's like, oh, your kids don't rock with you for real. This happens, this happens, this happens. So when you talk about like tradition, you romanticize of it. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, and then how a man should just be logical, not emotional. Women should be more emotional. It's that's not it, bro. Like it there has to be a, a separation in that because there there's no healing in that. So it's just like, are you wanting healing or do we want history to repeat itself, but just we get to do it this time? You know what I'm saying? Because at that time, it turns into do as I say, not as I do. And now that I've, I'm at the point where I can actually do that now, now you're going to do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. And so let me let me quickly rebuttal on that, though. Uh, 
So when I'm talking about tradition, I'm not even just talking about it from a cultural right wing or however you want to put it. Red right. I even think I believe in biblical patriarchy. If we look at Matthew one, most of the people in the lineage of Jesus was men. If we go back to the Old Testament with Genesis, most of the leaders of society were men. OK. Or we talk about the patriarchs, you know, what does that come with? What do, what do you mean when you say Wait, that? Let me, let me finish. Let me finish. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, like, well, you understand, like, culturally speaking, when you talk about most of the people, um, in the book of Matthew, when the lineage was put forth, the fact that women were even introduced was anti-cultural. In fact, that was actually disrespectful to a Jewish community because you've only ever mentioned, like, when you look at Old Testament lineages, only men were ever mentioned. And so the fact you have prostitutes mentioned in a lineage whoever was writing that to a that book to hebrews was setting it off early chapter one women are involved in this narrative of the gospel so i think to say that is actually going against what the context of what the scripture is actually teaching it's actually teaching you that women should be involved in the narrative when we're talking about what who god is and the gospel because the fact that women, it wasn't the fact that it's mostly men. It's the fact that we finally included women. So it's like, even though we can sit here and be like, respectfully, a lot of times, like saying that this is what we believe in, that totally takes away our sisters. So then it's just like, it minimizes their voice, which is the very thing that they fight for to this day. So then what is it that, what is it about patriarchy, you know what I'm saying, that's so, like, revered that we must have? Now, if we're going to say that I think that, you know, men should be, you know what I'm saying, uplifted, hey, because we don't hear it often, we hear it like, oh, y'all ain't, yeah. we hear all the negative, but if we wanted to, like, hey, like, uplift us more, because we really deal with a lot, we can get on social media, I'll see folks post memes all day talking about, uh, I seen some uh, some earlier today, and it was talking about ways to minimize minimize a man's voice, ways to minimize man's thoughts. Like, so Shorty said, it was crazy. Shorty said, on one hand, my man, thankful for my man, and then on the other spectrum, it was me reading a book on how to like minimize his voice. What is that, baby? You conflicted. What are we doing? So if you're saying you want to hear men uplifted more. That's a different story because that's what we need. That's why we need to talk because our voices matter. They do. But if we're saying the only way that we want our voice to be heard is at the cost of minimizing our sisters, that's problematic. Yeah. And, 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 and when you talk about the scriptures, because like obviously um, what you see often, even in the Sermon on the Mount, the scripture eye for an eye You've heard it say eye for an eye, but this. People look at scripture and be like, oh, well, that means eye for an eye is out. It's like, well, no, no, justice is still important. What, what God was addressing was, hey, y'all heard this and took it out of context. Y'all are operating in a way that it was never intended for. You're missing the heart of love behind the law. So let's just sum it up. Love your neighbor as yourself. You do that, we win, right? Now, the issue is, is that I look at I look at the I look at the Bible in the, in the same way I look at the news. If the news reports a tragic thing happening, it's like, man, I never watch the news, man. It's always drama. It's like, well, it's actually just reporting what's happening. 
It's not a dramatic thing. It's just reporting the drama that's happening. And so when we're talking about Jesus walking up to a woman at a well by himself because his disciples wouldn't even be ready for that conversation because right. of the way that they viewed women. And this is the culture we're saying we want to identify with. Keep this is the mind. culture we're saying we want to attach to. It's like, man, well, they was, they was more submissive back then. They was more, the men were more in control back then. The men actually got things done back then. Yeah, and the women were silenced. The women didn't have a voice. The women were not even having a place in the society. Now, mind you, obviously the scriptures are addressing a patriarchal culture within the framework of the family. I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not a test, I'm not a, a, a disagreeing with that at all. What I'm saying is, don't romanticize the culture that you're seeing, saying that they're trying to live by the scriptures rather than living by the scriptures. Like, allow the scriptures to be the foundation, not a culture or a time period to be where we're identifying it from. Because when you try to identify it with that time period, but don't also include the trauma, the nonsense, the things that that culture had to deal with within that narrative, you're actually doing what the women are already mad at, which is silencing their voice. So let me say this, and I know we got to get to the next person. I don't want to be rude. Uh, but to rebuttal off of what y'all said, this is not me trying to diminish women, regardless of what the crowd may think. Intent versus impact. So uh, if we even look at the Gospels, the four Gospels of Jesus Christ, most of the people that was kicking it with, I don't even want to say kicking it, going to war with Jesus were men. Now, Mary Magdalene, Mary, there were other women in the Bible. They were helpmeets, but they weren't like the leaders of the elite culture when it came to the time of the Gospels and Jesus' ministry. So that's what I'm saying as far as women, be the, women being the helpmeet. I'm not saying a woman's voice would be silenced. That sounds pretty dis disingenuous, and that was never my intent with what I was saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think that's what you were trying to say. I'm just saying you pick me a culture where you're, you're seeking that traditionalism and saying, I want it to look like this, the stats are gonna look good, but you look at the people's hearts, I think you'll find a different narrative. That's all I'm saying. So like, pick a culture, pick a time frame where you're like, this is where we need to get back to. All right, look at the aspect of what that culture was dealing with, men and women personally. And then just look at your own lineage. All right, my grandfather was a part of that traditional era where everything was peachy keen. Yeah, and these niggas was also dealing with and like the, 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 the fresh out of slavery, fresh out of the civil rights era. And it's like how much of their narrative isn't told in them stats, the statistics and the data. Like, like we're not considering the person of the stats. We're just thinking about Numbers. things we're moving. We, we have a successful society. And because successful societies and education and finances on the rise, that must mean this was the ideal culture. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in the midst of those stats. So I'm, I'm down for, I'm down for uh, you know what I'm saying, like re revisiting what it looks like to be traditional, <laughs> but where am I getting my traditionalism from? Is it from the scriptures? Oh, absolutely. Is it from the culture? Hell no. Nah. Right. As we look at like work productivity, you know what I'm saying? Work productivity, Tesla, like they pay money. But hell, when you look at like what they people going through, especially they black folks and black women at that, because black women are the most educated, what they dealing with? They had gone. They getting about it though. But yeah. Appreciate you, pal. I don't even know what sound that is, G. Like what? <laughs> what? You don't know. Thank you, bro. Thank you, bro. You got it's rush hour. 
when, oh, when, when, when okay. he came yeah, 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 yeah. I got it out. I got it out because I was like, huh? Like, what? What is this? <laughs> he came with pocket back jacket. Gots to do better. But all day yet, say yo, my como sat yo mate. Hey yo, <laughs> I can go rush hour all day, bro. Indeed, indeed. All right. We got anybody else that wanted to come up? Come you know on with it, sister. Like we come kinda, on. We kind of shifted a little bit. Go ahead and come up here. It's always a blessing to hear from young DC to can. You feel me? She DC said, to like, B. You feel me? I just, I just want to talk a little bit. Go on. Come on. I'll sit down. Get that little church finger. I ain't mad at you. With your locks. Talk to us. Okay. So I have um, two questions, but also kind of to kind of make the questions make sense. So. Probably like three years ago, my dad passed away. Mm. And uh, when he did, there was a lot of like unresolved everything. Like um, probably right before he passed away, probably like a year before he passed away, he rekindled the relationships with my siblings as well as my mom, but not with me. And so my question is, how do you start the process of forgiveness? And how do you start it with someone who passed away? Man, I think that I kind of, it's funny being around um, my relatives now from my mom's side, because they're visiting in town right now, and then even hearing how they affirmed me and how my grandmother treated me. They're like, man, we don't know why, but she just did not like you. And I'm like, thank you. I'm like, I I, I grew up with it. You know what I'm saying? Fact. Bro, I... I remember I was talking about therapist, and I'm like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I was in the sticker bush, and grandma threw a bike on me. You know, and she was like, whoa, 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 why are you saying that so casually? I was like, I'm about to get to the, the, the meat of the story. She's like, stop right there. That's, right. that's abuse. I was like, like, it wasn't like abuse, abuse. It was just, she's like, no, 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 that's not regular. That's not natural. Like, that was wrong. And so I'm sitting here like, yo, wait a minute. I was abused. And dealing with that now, because my grandmother passed away, the last real memory I have of her is so weird because at the time, even as like a younger kid, I still had so much bitterness towards her because of everything she did to me. But she communicated from a standpoint of understanding that this is going to be some of her last days. And she spoke with such a softness. And it was almost in the weirdest way, her version of what it meant to love and make things right. It was never like an apology. It was never like a, my bad, or I'm sorry. It was just like, hey, you know, I can't wait to see you again. And I was like, I ain't trying to hear all that. You know, and it made my heart hard towards her. And that's the last conversation I remember with her. Her saying, I'm about to go to the hospital. I'll be back soon. Can't wait to see you never saw her, you know? And for me, what I'm realizing is I'm having to process what it means to empathize in the midst of trauma and abuse. Hmm. That's tough. That's, it's, it's actually nonsensical because they don't deserve it because there was no repentance. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, there wasn't any repentance. And so you're having to, you're having to process what it means to give undeserved forgiveness and so when I hear about what happened to my grandmother growing up being 13 and having children at that age 
and then always being pregnant. And then because she's always pregnant, she's also a wet nurse. And a wet nurse is basically somebody who would take in other people's children and then just breastfeed them and raise them. And so at her funeral, we had white people showing up and then called her mom. Because to them, that was mom because she raised them and breastfed them. And that's what she got paid to do while also having her own children and being called fast, even though at 13 years old, she wasn't wanting what was happening to her. Yet the whole town calling her fast. That's not right. You feel me? And so I'm developing a relationship with somebody who never understood relationships. I'm being abused from somebody that only ever knew abuse. And so having to put myself in a place of like, man, I don't know what it's like, but when I look back at my grandmother, I'm like, I truly can just say she did what she knew and in the midst of that contained a level of faith that I can look back and be honorable and proud of despite all the nonsense. So what does it mean? There's no template. I can't, I can't give you the, the secret sauce. I can't give you the, all I can say is start where you end up in their shoes. And then however that looks, as awkward as it may be to walk in somebody else's shoes, whatever that looks like, the more awkward, the more empathetic you'll be. Because you'll be like, these are not meant to be walked in. Not the way that I'm having to walk in these. And so when you look at that and then realize that they was going through that as well, and all the things they pent up, all the things they didn't deal with. It's like, man, having to understand that in the midst of one person's story, there's also another side of the story that's unheard. Like the other person did something to them or the other person that's staying silent. It's like, yeah, a lot of times, you know, we look at grandma, but what did grandfather do? We look at our cousin, but what did our aunt do? We look at our fathers, but what did our mother do? You know, and, and we, we, we're almost, as kids, forced to take sides. Not, 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 not actually saying what made this person become who they are. You know, and, and that's tough. So for me, I'm, I'm working through that. I'm learning what that means. I'm, I'm, I'm studying myself and studying our family, and seeing the generational curses that I am going to be breaking. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going to be saying, like, hey, it stops here. You know, and when we look at the scripture, <sighs> black parents have culturally twisted the scripture. Children, honor, honor your mother and father and you will live long. They'll conflate that scripture with obey your parents. And so it's like obey your parents and you will live long. Those two are two separate things. Because children obey your parents. You're not a child no more. Honor your mother and father, you'll live long. That's, that's, that's child, adult, teenager, whatever. The children obey is a scripture for children. Mm -hmm. And we're being told that scripture in our adulthood, and we're confused why it's not feeling right. Because the other part of that scripture that people don't talk about is when it tells fathers not to provoke your children to wrath. And stops so there. It, it, it stops like it stops at the honor. It doesn't go to 
hey, the other side of that accountability was like, don't provoke to wrath. Indeed. Because I think in that, there's a lot of misplacement or maybe not even misplacement, direct anger that comes with like, first of all, I appreciate you for even asking the question. I'm not about to sit here and act like I got the whole answer because I don't. What I will say though, because I do believe God blessed me with a lot of like perspective. Like I was saying earlier, like the questions, it might be in the questions that you may have to really ask yourself and ask the Father while also maybe even asking in journal like for it to be revealed so like in the aspect of if people stop growing at the place they experience their worst trauma if he reconciled with everybody else but you there's already going to be like a comparison hold up well why this and i mean you know what i'm saying but mm. then also i wonder what if what was the it's like i wonder what the relationship was like did he feel shame that like oh snap i'm about to i don't know you know what i'm saying but like i can't say that i'm not saying that that's what it was you know what i'm saying anything of that nature but when he talks about you know stepping into someone else's shoes it's like you have to allow yourself to be open to anything that you may find out yeah. you know what i'm saying and, and that's and that's where that scripture i, I dealt with in first samuel comes into play because or first kings um, because Solomon was able to honor his parents who came from a dishonoring place. Mm -hmm. You're able to honor your parents even though that name may have no honor. That's crazy. And recreate what that You can honor actually looks recreate like. what your last name means. And that is honoring them. Don't mix up honoring with obeying. Because whether or not they gave a great template of what it means in obeying in your childhood, if you become the best person you can be, you're honoring them whether or not they actually set you up to be honoring. And then even in that, like, the ultimate honor is the honor of our Heavenly Father regardless. So, you know what I'm saying, whatever that looks like in your, like, process it's just like, you know, at the end of the day, Lord, like, you see what I'm dealing with. I'm hot today, pissed yeah. off. But I want to honor you, but you're going to gonna have to walk with me through this because I don't get it. And, and, and don't allow the enemy to whisper in your ears Facts. that you not being the one being reached out to or left out you weren't plays into your value or your worthiness or how God sees you. You know what I'm saying? How your father sees you is not how your heavenly father sees you. So don't don't allow the enemy's whispers of, well, obviously there's a reason why you were left out. Play into your heart and plague you in the future because that's going to be a blockage towards your spiritual arteries pushing out blessings and your spiritual arteries pushing out forgiveness and, and, and allowing things that are supposed to flow, flow. I would say whatever's causing that blockage, Search whatever way that comes to you, whether it be meditation, whether it be talk therapy, whether it be binging a show for a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Whether it be video games, whatever release you need to experience and, and go through in order to deal with the nonsense that's been causing that blockage, let it out, release. And it starts with what you're doing right now and it's talking through it. So thank you for even coming up. Of course. Do you we got one more, one more. 
What's happening? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We go. Oh, oh, two more. Oh, wow. Yeah. Let's get two. We got three more. All right. What time? Come on, we, we got three. We got time. Oh, you're leaving. Okay. You can't you can't hop up while we're about to do the joint, you feel me? And D D. Come on up. Uh we'll we'll, we'll do y'all two and then end off with a with a Tony liturgy. <laughs> hey y'all, what's up? What's up? Hey guys. Um, so I don't really have a question. I just kind of wanted to talk from my perspective. Amen. The topic is exactly what I was a little late, so forgiving your father. Mm, okay. So I have a lot of experience in that. Um I was raised by my stepdad. My biological father was nowhere near my life for a very long period of time. Um, but the beautiful thing that my stepdad always raised me to hold in my heart, I guess, is because he was never around, I don't know his side of the story. And so I have to keep some sort of love in my heart so when the opportunity comes for me to talk with him, and gain perspective from his side that I won't be so closed off that I can't hear him. And the time came where he came back into my life and I didn't hear him. (laughs) Um, But I guess at that point, initially, I felt like I was, I didn't need a dad, you know, and he was trying to come back and be a dad. Um, But maybe a year ago, I, as I've been pursuing my relationship with Christ, Um, One of the things that God has been revealing to me is that I have to work on not just forgiving the people that are directly around me, but the people that I push away. And Mm. I don't think about the fact that I have to still forgive them. So he was one of those people for me. Um, And the best thing that has happened in our relationship was hearing his side of the story. And the Holy Spirit um, really enacting my gift of grace (laughs) and being able to just see from his side, like, what he was dealing with like what you were saying like just seeing the shoes that he was walking in and understanding that while no he is not perfect he was also going through some things he still had trauma he still still does have trauma still has things that he's healing from and my mom wasn't perfect and while the narrative that I got growing up was you know he kicked us out on the street and said forget us and you know we moved on from there hearing his side of the story was like okay But then, like, the most sobering part for me with my relationship with my dad is two weeks ago, while in Houston, he currently lives in Houston, I was born in Houston, Um, we were visiting my godmom, her mom had just passed, we were there for a funeral, my biological father called me and said, hey, I'm in the hospital, I think I have cancer. And that just changed something for me to know that I might not ever have another opportunity to really work on that relationship. And while cancer is not a death notice, it does not mean he was gonna die. But for me, it was a wake up call from the Holy Spirit that like, yeah, you started this journey of forgiveness. Yeah, you started this journey of working on healing and letting go of the past. (sighs) You're not done. And um, you need to finish that. Like you need to come to a completeness in that area to be able to move forward and be who I've called you to be. And so, We've definitely been working on talking more and shout out to some friends that have pushed me to continue the conversations and to really work on the healing aspect in that area. Um, But yeah, hearing cancer out of his mouth on that phone call that day was like, and my mom, she's like, well, what's wrong with you? Why are you crying? 
lady. <laughs> like, I know he may have kicked us out, but, like, he's still my dad. Like, yeah, right. you might not wow. have no ties to him, but that's still my dad. Wow. Um, and so it was just, it was, it was really just a wake-up call for me. See, if you haven't forgiven your fathers, your mothers, your grannies, your granddaddies, I, I really do challenge you to do so because it's just not worth it, you know? If you still can while they're alive, you know? Deep. Thank All you right. for sharing. That was of very course. mature of you, too. Yeah, shout out to the Holy Spirit. Hey, work. Appreciate you know? it. Where'd she go? Oh, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, come on now. Welcome, welcome. You're I'm in the hot seat. I see you. You feel me? You dripped out today. Yeah, a yeah. little bit of something. Take a little bit of sunshine. All righty. So um, I have a, I guess you can say a question in a sense. Um, so we've all talked about, you know, forgiving our earthly mothers and fathers, but I feel like for the people who may have lost, you know, their fathers at a young age and how to work through forgiving our heavenly father, because it's like, why did you take him away from me so early to where I didn't even get the experience of uh, earth, my earthly father, biological father? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the best thing, not the best thing, the only thing that comes to mind for me in that as I'm, as I'm looking through the scriptures, when Jacob's name was changed, it was changed to Israel. And the fact that God chose to allow the people that will represent him to the world is a people named those who wrestle with me. Hmm. I think it's powerful because it doesn't just say those who submit to me, like Allah, you know, or those who just love me. It's like, no, this journey with me, it's not easy. And I get that. But being my people means you're wrestling with me because I'm wrestling with you and I think also in aspects of what it means to possibly forgive Heavenly Father is to also in whatever way you can empathize with him as well empathize with what it means to be Jesus it's like yo looking at what Jesus did in the midst of who we are, how we are, and the sacrifice he made for us. I think that also leads back to empathy. It's like, yo, like, like things are happening, things are wicked, and things are wrong, but I know what I did in the midst of wrong so that y'all can be made right through me. You know, and that's not a really an answer, but the response, I think, just leads back to us knowing that it's not wrong that you're wrestling. It's not wrong that you're even angry. It's not wrong that you're questioning. Like, the fact that Job was questioned by his closest friends, like, yo, what'd you do wrong, fam? Like, yo, like, what was, what was the offense you did to God? Like, like, obviously, we know that karma is something that happens. Bad things happen when you do bad things. So you're going to get a bad reaping. And he's like, fam. I'm not tripping. I didn't do nothing. Like, like this just must be a test. And this is the same. Now, here's the thing. 
These are the same friends that in the midst of his nonsense, in the midst of his trials, in the midst of everything going on around him, losing everything, these are the same friends that were willing to sit with him in silence for seven days. That's friendship, which goes to show us even those who can be there for us can be dead wrong. They can still be wrong in the midst of what you're going through. They might not be giving you the greatest advice, even though they're willing to be there with you. Because he did nothing wrong. God was just allowing to go through and use him as a, as a test, put him through the test. And so he was questioning. He was angry. Like, God, what? what? Why me? What's going on? Right. He wrestled with God. So my answer is, in the midst of that, don't stop wrestling. And then I think for <laughs> um, I think to piggyback off the story, like when his name was changed, like he had a limp after. So like he didn't come out of that with like, oh, I'm like walking straight or anything. Like, nah, like he had a he had a war wound. He had a battle wound with that. You know what I'm saying? He was changed forever, but he had a reminder. Um hmm. And then even in that, he was still made whole, even in that. And, like, I still, like, this is what you're naming. And I'm still blessing you through this. So I think, like, as you wrestle, with whatever answer you get, it might still be when you get done, you walk with a limp. But then even in that, that limp is still purposeful for you too, though, because there's a superpower that comes with that. Because at the end of the day, like, because you walked with the father in that wrestled with the father in that like that's a testimony that many people not gonna be able to like have but they'll they'll get blessed from ain't gotta be about people at the moment it's really about you like yo like what's up and i think that because god is big enough to handle it that's why we'll always be like hey yo why you do this because he can handle that why did you even though sometimes, like, respectfully, like, so, like, for me, right, um, I didn't lose a parent, but my sister passed in May, and she had cancer, and so, like, stage four, right, she just had a, she had a miracle baby, you know what I mean? She wasn't even supposed to have kids, right? And so, it's like, in my mind, I'm like, hey, yo, it just made six months yesterday, like, why? But then also on the other spectrum, it's like, I know I can ask him why, but then also on the other spectrum, like, what if that wasn't necessarily like his plan either? Because I think sometimes we automatically assume it was God's plan because he's big enough. It's like, yeah, it gotta be you because you allowed it. You could have stepped in. You could have did this. But then he's like, also, but what if I stepped in and it took away, I don't, I don't know the situation, but like, what if I stepped in and that took away somebody else's choice? I gave man choice. You know what I'm saying? Or what if something adverse just happened? It was a natural thing that like, sometimes like, like when we think about like health and stuff like that, like, I want to say like, she was going to live. But also at the same token, my baby girl will go like, she going she gonna to drink something. You know what I'm saying? I'll be like, yo, is that the best thing to do? Mm. But also at the same token, it's just like, well, I can't really tell you what, I can't tell you what to do. Like, this is your life. This is what you're going through. You, you're walking through this. 
I'm I'm gonna walk with you however ten toes, but also at the same time, is there anything that we're doing that adversely plays on it too? Like you never know. The mind just goes through so many things. So the only thing that I can challenge you with and encourage you with is one, yeah, keep wrestling. Embrace the limp after. But then also with the same token, what may help you like as you're working through like forgiving God, like because, God, you got me hot or, like, yo, I'm lonely. Like, what is this? How can I even see you as, like, when, you know, I don't even have whatever other people might have been blessed to have some. Like, it's just, like, what if that wasn't his plan either? But he still used it to make something great, too. Because, like, you still a physical representation. Right, no, for you sure. Know? Um, so I guess that question was like more so for people who may have had that question, Indeed. but that Come is my story somebody. though, for sure. So I enjoyed hearing it from you guys' perspective, dealing with the healing and now in the lip phase, I like that, um, of like, okay, well that happened, but why? And asking him those questions like, okay, well, why did that have to happen? And it's like, okay, well, now you're giving me the whole synopsis and the whole story of like, okay, I did this because now look at you. And I'm like, well, but because you did that, it took me 20 years to now actually accept you as my Lord and Savior when we could have bypassed that. And maybe when I was 17, I could have been like, okay, well, I'm open to learning about who this God is. I feel like when something happened at a young age, we blame God and we'd be like, well, I don't know who this man is. I don't care about this man. I don't even want to learn about this man because that yeah. was me. And now, 20 years later, it's like, damn, I'm starting from scratch. But you know what? The interesting part about that is, hell, I got saved at 17. I didn't start living for God for real until I was, like, in undergrad. And then even in that, like, again, like, half of my family is Muslim, half of my family is Christian. I went to masjid and I went to church. Like, I did the prayers read the surahs, like, and then still, whenever I go to my dad's house, hey, get things, like, we here, you know what I'm saying? And so, like, even having to have that reconciled, like, that didn't get really reconciled in me, like, having the two beliefs, or like, God, like, I see this, my family is like this, why is it da 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 da, -da? until, like, two years ago, wow. you know what I'm saying? And so, it's like, sometimes, it sounds good to be like, oh, we could have we could have sped this up back then, but it was just like, but would you have appreciated me back then? Because I'm 17 and saved, and I'm like, oh, yeah, God, and then until life happened, and then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Like, my battle scars have made, has made me more of a, a diligent seeker of him versus... I'm in la-la land, and then I have to, like, be shocked by life just to, like, turn back around. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, and also understanding, like, like the story of your scars are meant for others. Facts. You know what I'm saying? Um, not meant for others in the aspect of, like, hey, this They're is used. their story. It's, it's, it can be used for their saving, you know what I'm saying? And, and their empathy, because it's like, man, like, I know what I also have that scar. That happened to me, too. So let me hear how you were able to make it. Cause let see, me, you know what I'm saying like there's people that have your same story that could be blessed by you just saying it, you know, and and even you even telling it, you know, I, I think that that speaks to a generation where there is somebody who is now 20 years 
after and still not seeking God. And it's like, wait, you mean tell me that you waited that long and you gave in? But then they're hearing also how you're speaking in gracious, how you're wanting to be in fellowship and wanting to be in community and wanting to show up to a podcast where they talk about God. It's like, man, like, what about these people? Are people gathering to admonish this person called Yahweh, this being called Yahweh, you know what I'm saying? And and for us, it's it's they'll know us by our love. And so I think that, you know, even in telling the story of even how the journey was long, will end up being something where it could also deliver somebody as well. Yes, indeed. Thank you, guys. Appreciate Hello. you. Tony Tone. Yes, sir. <laughs> What's happening? Oh, Charlie look cool. good. Tired. Tired. Long day. Indeed. I'm glad you're in time, bro. What's up, man? For real. <laughs> man, I popped up at church. I'm like, man, check him up. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, so I'm on the way out. I was like, seven. Yeah, man. I said, I'm going to get out at like five in the morning. You hear me? <laughs> I said, let me go and slide through. That's what's up. That's good, man. Uh, usually, uh, you know, I like write something down, like critiquing, but. For some strange reason, I just wanted to like talk about my personal experiences with like my dad, um, you know, like my mom. Same story, pretty much pregnant, young. I think my mom was maybe nineteen, twenty, whenever she had me. Um, single, like single parents, they split up. And the thing about my dad is, my dad used to, my dad wouldn't really call me. Um, and I didn't find out really till later. Like I figured it out. I was like, my mom was like kind of like tricking me to believe my dad was calling me. My mama was really like making the phone calls to, you know what I'm saying, for me to speak to him. She'd be like, your daddy called. I was like, nah, my daddy ain't called. You know what I'm saying? I learned it when I was older. So um, when it when it came down to like me having a daughter, like I made sure to call my daughter. You know what I'm saying? To stay in contact as much as I could. Um, but like after my dad not being around, eventually it just became like, I don't need a dad. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like I'm fending for myself. Like, what you what I need? Do? Yeah, like what I need a dad for. You feel Fact. me? Like if I'm going through things at school, somebody playing with me, my dad not about to show up. You feel me? If I'm going through certain issues or whatever it is with somebody else, like my dad is not known for showing up. So eventually, you just kind of get into that place. Um, and like. The times that I did have with my dad, because I don't want it to make it seem like my dad was just completely out of my life. Um, like summertime, like I would like chop it up with him, I would see him. Um, mm-hmm. And anything my dad told me, like I took that to heart. You feel me? Like I all, like even growing up as a child, like I examined like what my mom did that affected me. I examined what my dad did that affected me. So it's like whenever I have kids, I'm not trying to repeat the same cycle, right? Um, but I remember, man, because my dad, as I got older, my dad wasn't really like around like that. It just still like just became like, man, like I'm calling you, not picking up the phone. I'm doing this, you're not picking. Like it just it got bad, bro. So, like I said, I just I just got into like effort mode. I don't, I don't need no pops. And uh, you know, of course, I got in church. Like my mom raised me in church, but eventually I'm college and I'm in Houston, so. I'm more into church and I'm more so trying to figure out who my heavenly father is, right? So I'm, and not only that, like God is so amazing that in each of these seasons, he always still has some type of father figure around me. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I can go back even when I was a kid, like we had Bentley Synagogue. Did he have it all together? No. Like is it things they introduced to me that threw me off a little bit? Yeah, but 
Like, then I boom, I meet another pastor, you know what I'm saying, in Houston. Did he have it all together? No. Did I have it all together? No. You know what I'm saying? Like, we all learning from one another. Yeah, so fact. it's like, boom, get to Dallas. I got Goins. I got, you know what I'm saying? I got all these different men. And now it's way more men around me. So, um, but not to get off subject, man, I remember um, I hadn't talked to my dad in a long time. And I mean, he would not call me. And I was the child, because it's me, my sister, got two sisters. And I got another brother for my dad. So it's three of us, it's four of us for my dad. And I got one little brother from my, from my, I'm sorry, it's three of us, yes, yeah, three of us for my dad. And I got a brother for my mom. And um, they be talking down on him. And I be the one offending him. Mm. Like, excuse me, in his defense all the time. You feel me? You're like, mm -hmm. man. And it's so weird because with my sister, my sister would be like, you talk to your daddy. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's your daddy too, you feel me? Like, don't try to make it, you know what I'm saying? So, if he needed something, I gave it to him. Even if it was my last. Like, I remember, like, I was in college, man. Like, I had the last of, like, my little bit of bread left. My daddy popped up out of the blue, asked me some bread. I gave it to him. I ain't even second guessing because I'm like, you still my dad. Even though you wasn't around, like, I still love you. And I always still, in a sense, like, love, like I always love my dad. You know what I'm saying? So, I remember my mom passed, though. And you know kind of how that go, like everybody blowing up your phone, people saying their condolences, whatever. And I'm at the funeral, and who shows up? My dad shows up. So I remember inviting my my last pastor to speak, and this this young lady, she always take my worship to a different level when she sings. And um, I remember worshiping man in front of everybody, and I'm I'm already feeling strange because I wasn't even expecting all these people to show up to my mom's funeral. Like, it's like buku people at my mom. Yeah. I'm thinking, like, just like maybe 30 people, man. The whole, it's a nice side church, like buku people up in there. So I'm already uncomfortable. But I moved myself out the way. I started worshiping. And I remember my dad walked up and hugged me. And it took everything in my being to not dishonor him in front of everybody. Like, I wanted to push him off of me. Because I was like, bro, like, nigga, my God's here right now with me. You know what I'm saying? Like, you haven't been here. So like for me, it's like, for me in my mind as I'm worshiping, I was like, man, this feels more like a publicity stunt for you to be seen more than like, this is you genuinely hugging me. Yeah. Because growing up as an adult, it's like you never been around to genuinely give me a hug. You know what I'm saying? So um, with, so as like life continued after that, and I didn't, I didn't expect a lot from him even after that, man, but something in me just a little bit of expectation of more because my mom died, you know what I'm saying? Um, he was calling me a lot. And then the call slowed down. And they slowed down. And they slowed down more. And they stopped. And I remember, you know, just throughout life, the, t the things that I remember he always say, like, when you, when you, if you get married, like, do these things. Uh, give your wife this. Give your wife this much money. Da -da -da this and that. Do... Uh, every father wants his son to be better than him. You know what I'm saying? Like, just small nuggets that I just remember him telling me. And um, I remember when I lost everything, man, my little sister called me. And this is when I was in Louisiana, right? Um, after I had them went through my divorce, all kind of different things I don't feel like getting into. But um, I remember she called me and she was like, how you doing? I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really not doing well. Like, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my mind around what's even happening in my life. It's like I just, it feels like I was made whole and then 
everything had shattered again in front of my face. And she said, uh, excuse my language, she was like, you know, daddy talking shit about you right now. Like straight up, like she just was like, you know, he, he going in on you, he like, you know, you, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to stop paying, you need to stop rapping, you need to do, 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 you need to choose one thing to do, you ain't nothing. Like, I mean, like, I'm being, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm sitting, yeah. and I'm sitting in the garage, and I got a black and mile in my hand, probably. I'm depressed. I probably got my Bible decks to me. Like, I'm going through it, man. I probably was like, I probably was at the backyard crying and just praying, like, right. 30 minutes before that, right? So I'm like, I'm, and the crazy thing is, I'm hearing this from my sister, so in the back of my mind, I'm like, Nigga, you not even man enough to call me and tell me this yourself? Mm. Like, you saying this to my little sister who looks up to me, who I don't even have a good relationship because of certain, you know, ways and things that's, that's transpired in his life. And one thing about my dad is I knew some of my dad's story. I know that your dad wasn't in your life. You know what I mean? Like, in terms mm-hmm. of him, like, I know, like, you grew up in a single-parent household. I know you grew up with all sisters. Like, I knew all these different things. So, it's like, I gave my dad, like, grace. Like, a lot of grace. And I remember, in closing, man, I remember um, I called him. I picked up my phone and I called him. And one of the things I told him, I said, man, I said, you know, you always told me to that every every dad wants his son to be better than him but from the conversation i just got from my sister is the complete opposite i got like f you son you know what i'm saying i got like a like like you like stepping on me kind of thing like in terms of like like i'm like bro like i model so much of my life not I, even things about God, like don't play with God. Okay, Dad, you know what I'm saying? Don't do this. Like I model, and I'm, I'm, and it got to the point where I went off of him on the phone. Like he, that was a provoking of wrath for real. Like I, like it was wrath on the phone with him. And I remember in the conversation, like I love you. It's not gonna change. But like I still love you. You know what I'm saying? But like as as and as far as like me and you like speaking, like I think that's over with because like you, you're. You're pushing me to a place of I'm ready to kill myself because it's like man, like all the different things that I that I watched, I observed, I tried to do all these different things. Right, I tried to be better than you, like, and not be better like in terms of I'm competing with my dad, right? right? Like just in terms of like my dad said, be better than me. You feel me? So um, to now, you know, and 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 it's it's like a challenge. Like, even while I'm going through it, man, like, despite of whatever, like, men are losing, despite whatever, like, they're going through that have kids, because now the challenge, the, the it's like the weight got heavier. It's like now, like, with my household being shattered, all these different things, it's like now, and how that situation's going, I have to put in, like, a hundred times more effort to talk to my child, right? I have to, I have to fight off the lie of you never gonna be nothing. Cause that's kind of like the the tone that I heard from my dad. It was like, nothing's gonna work for you. You're not gonna be nothing. Like, so, yeah. so um, just man, yeah, man. Just like for the dads, man. Like just continue to, to be the best dad that you could be, the best man that you could be. You know, continue to place yourself around other people, you know, cause 
I remember that you know that specific night, man. I got I got a I got a phone call. I'm not gonna say who it is. They know who it is, but I got a phone call that night. I remember picking up my gun, man, and I was about to take my life. And I say, Lord, I say, I'm ready to go. It's like I'm tired. It's like I keep taking these ills. I'm like, and I try to do the right. And I'm picking up my gun, and I get a te- I got a text message, and it was like, you ready to come to Dallas? And I looked up, and I was like, God, you for real? Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm in that. You get know what I'm saying? So it's like, even in that, man, like, it's like, despite. The how people had let me down, my own dad, because it was like, dang, everybody else let me down. I was like, at least my dad gonna kind of show up and like, at least like, just keep going. So it's like, nah, like I had to completely like, at least God was there. God still showed up through somebody. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying. So that's my hey, closing, bro, man. Um, it's interesting. Um, I actually start a new session with new therapists tomorrow. Last thing we kind of did in our like, you know, like the diagnosis type thing, like conversation update and stuff like that. Um, I recently just experienced some crazy heavy rejection. Um, and it's because I had, you know, expectations. And this is also somebody who I went all out for. And I said, I'd never do that again. Um, and I'm like, I'll never go all out for her again. And I, I did it. I went all out, did everything I was supposed to do that I thought I was supposed to do. And I was challenged. Um, I th- but the, the therapist I'm about to explore of uh, seeing possibly going through more sessions with, like, man, I'm hearing in my spirit that you're you're attempting to overcompensate in ways that you grew up in lack. And so I would just say, as I'm about to explore that, man, I think it's going to be something we talk about, too, because as you're communicating how you're attempting to be with your daughter, it may be you're trying to overemphasize something that got undervalued in your life, which could also affect your own perspective of how you view yourself and also the workload that you're putting on yourself. Uh, because it's taking an extra effort to make sure something is instilled. That wasn't instilled in you. But then also, um, it's negating what's already instilled too. So it's like I'm overcompensating to make sure this is understood, which the adverse of that is if I end up misvaluing myself, I'm putting too much weight because what's already been built and established is already built and established. I don't have to overcompensate to make sure that that is known. It is known. That's foundation. That's that's roots. Hey, y'all, this was good. Went for a walk today. That's not awkward. I do that often because I often pray. Welcome to another episode of Black Men Do Talk. We have overdue conversations from a black man's perspective. Shout out to the live studio audience. Live studio audience, make some noise. And indeed, thank y'all for joining us. Shout out to our co-host, Sam. How can they follow you, bro? Man, you can follow me on IG at I-M-S-V-Y-N. I am seven. Again, that's at I-M-S-V-Y-N. Appreciate y'all for having me. Indeed, indeed. Whatever it means for y'all, have a happy holiday. Yeah.